Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. season rolls along on the fun belt podcast it's a mess jeremy is still drunk i think from basking in his final d1 victory apparently they have never won over another d1 opponent and so he is still basking in glory of having a d1 the cure for all red wolves woe and it has been for the last 12 years has been playing ULM. Thank you, Dusty, for helping me gain my 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 uh, my swagger. Help me retain my my pompous attitude because uh, I was missing it. I was missing pompous, Jeremy. So, if uh, the Warhawks need any advice about playing the game of football, you know, I watched the game. I could probably give Coach Terry Bowden some pointers. If you'd like to forward those for me, Dusty, I'd appreciate that. I'm sure he's waiting to see what I have to say because uh, he's probably wondering what happened, but only a keen penetrating mind that would come from Arkansas State could possibly fathom what had happened on that day in Malone. Ben, is it too late to replace Jeremy? I think so. I think we may have to go to the bullpen pretty soon. Uh, Cut his mic. That is offensive to say bullpen. It is now the arm barn. It's the arm barn. And you know it what? It's the I arm kind of barn. Like You're right. I kind of like arm barn. I'm all right with that. I, I'm, I think it's fantastic, actually. <laughs> I, I, I love it, arm barn. I, I, I think that's the dumbest thing ever, but who am I to say if a bull is offended by saying bullpen or not? Oh, I don't care about the, the politics behind it. That's because you're, you're full of bull, though. <laughs> oh, oh, now I understand you're you're feeling a little sensitive today because I spent the weekend at Club Dub with Ben Moore. We had bottle service. There were dancing girls. There were celebrities. There was dancing. There were lights. There was high fiving. And you weren't there, Dusty Tibbet. Nickelback you does not count as a celebrity. 
<laughs> Did you pop in? Did you have a cameo appearance at Club Dub last night? No, when I was dumpster diving in the back, I saw them sneaking in. <laughs> Do they call that dumpster diving? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Somebody the- likes Nickelback because they've sold, I don't know, 80 million records. So <laughs> I still haven't seen what somebody does. The Fun Belt Podcast, we're all over the place. As, as Jeremy has alluded, week 11 happened, and Georgia State upset Coastal Carolina on the road. Tucker Gregg, three rushing touchdowns. Darren Granger, two passing touchdowns. It, it, was, it was an amazing game. I mean, I, I don't think that the Panthers really trailed. I think that they kind of dominated in all three phases of the game and, and went on the road for, for a huge win. The Panthers did trail. For about, I don't know, three minutes at the beginning of the game, uh, I saw Coastal Carolina. They immediately went down the field for a touchdown. And I thought, here it is. This is Coastal Carolina doing things that Coastal Carolina usually does to people in Conway. The Panthers did not hesitate or, or back down at all. They came back with touchdowns of their own. And for a while there, they were just kind of trading haymakers. But really, you're right, Dusty. It looked like the Panthers were in control from top to finish. And people are like, oh, well, Grayson McCall, he wasn't there. It had nothing really to do with Grayson McCall. It had everything to do with the Panthers' offense just pounding through what was considered to be a pretty good Coastal Carolina defense. They're at homecoming in Conway. That was a, that was a big win for that, that offense and that rushing and passing uh, group for the, the Panthers. Uh, I don't think you can say that was because McCall wasn't there. McCall wasn't there, but he will have had to – I don't know if he could have done a better job than Carpenter. Yeah, but he, Bryce Carpenter had, had opportunities. Um, he kept, came down to turnovers, right, boys? We talk about it every single week. You know, who, who wins the turnover battle, especially uh, the Panthers have not turned the ball over at all and did not in Conway. They now move to 3-0 and uh, in uh, Brooks Stadium there. And, and I think it was a um, another step forward for this Georgia State program uh, that, that is playing basically their their 12th overall season, ninth at the FBS level, uh, to go get that um, you know victory over a ranked opponent. Um, as you guys talked about as well too, you know you had a Panthers had, had another 10 point lead. You had a 12 point lead against Auburn, 10 point lead against Louisiana, um, and it looked like uh oh, here comes Coastal again. Um, and uh, Coach Coach Elliott was ecstatic after the win, understanding what it meant. And uh, the two-headed monster of Jemias Williams and Tucker Gregg are, uh, are certainly up there, I believe, uh, with Camp Peoples and, and Nate Noel from App State is kind of the, the best two-headed monsters, if you will, from a rushing attack. But I uh, was really impressed with Darren Granger. He is a Conway, South Carolina native, so was uh, quite literally playing in front of family and friends uh, just minutes from where he grew up. So uh, en- enormous game for Georgia State, uh, now moved to 4-2, and two in the conference, uh, not mathematically eliminated from the Sunbelt East spot. And uh, they, they, they have two home games now to, uh, you know, move forward. And, and uh, you know, starting this weekend could, uh, could grab bowl eligibility, which would be their third straight bowl uh, and uh, fourth in five years uh, under Sean Elliott. So uh, e- enormous victory for the Panthers cannot certainly be understated. And, uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next and how they build off this uh, prosperity. The Panthers started the season one and four. The Panthers since then are now four and one. Complete reversal of fortune. Got rid of some maybe some malcontents. Got a little lighter. Have now have Greg and and Granger kind of the Greg and Granger show out there. 
So it is essentially it is a much better product now. And suddenly the Panthers are showing that uh, showing some fruition to that potential. You mentioned the Sun Belt East, App State. They have sole possession of the East after beating South Alabama thirty-one to seven. No Jake Bentley at all. They trotted out Desmond Trotter. Not a not a bad debut. I mean, two twenty-six, one touchdown, two interceptions. But App State just too much, and especially at home, South Alabama. I think with Bentley had a slight chance, but I think that just going to Boone is is too much for for any team this late in the season. You know, um, yeah. At one point, there were all five Sun Belt, all ten Sun Belt programs, plus a few of the future Sun Belt programs were all on the gridiron at the same time yesterday or on Saturday. It was a madhouse to watch at times because there's so many games you can kind of ping pong back and forth. I ping ponged on this one a little bit too. Um, I, You know what? Uh, that was one of those things where, you know, the Jaguars have a, an incredible defense and they kept them in that game for at least two quarters, two and a half quarters, where the Mountaineers really had trouble with them. Uh, I don't think anybody is happier with that Georgia State win over Coastal Carolina than the Mountaineers right now. They suddenly have a clear path to the title. I know that Ben has said that the Panthers have a mathematical chance to remain in, but right now it's really the Appalachian State Mountaineers for to lose. Uh, so, uh, and and they ever since that game where they got blew out, blown out by uh, by the Cajuns. They really had a workman's attitude on the field, really have come out there uh, the, uh, uh, taking care of business. It hasn't always been very spectacular to watch. I mean, I don't watch a Mountaineers game, expect to be entertained with big blowout plays, but they do find ways to do it on both sides of the ball. It took them a little bit to figure out that uh, South Bama defense. They eventually figured it out. And in the fourth quarter, just sort of kind of ran away with it. Tempers ran high in that uh, game. I know you probably saw some of the stories in that. I don't want to really touch on it because I don't know the facts around it, but that sounded pretty ugly. It, it's South Alabama. You know, their, their players, again, started out 3-0. and We've talked about it the last few weeks, and you know, there were some kind of rising expectations yeah. as had some success there. And, um, you know, they they tried to go in and, and knock the bully off, right? You know, you go, go into their place and try to knock them off and – um, offensively, just were challenged uh, all day. I mean, uh, the the stat that that popped out to me was three for sixteen on third downs. Just continuing to give App State the ball over and over and over again. Uh, it's not a very good recipe for success. And um, and yeah, tempers tempers do run a little high. You know, especially we've seen in, in the COVID year, you've got some super seniors that are back, the guys that want to win. Um, they're still stuck at you know five wins now. Um, and uh, trying to get that elusive sixth win to get bowl eligibility. Georgia Southern picked up the win on the road at Texas State. Georgia Southern passed, passed for 233 yards in that game. To me, the difference of that game, though, it was a weird play that happened. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Texas State blocked a field goal attempt for the Eagles, Somehow they ruled that Texas State had recovered it and fumbled it. Thus, it gave Georgia Southern a new set of downs inside the Texas State 30. And that was the game-winning touchdown that gave Georgia Southern that win. Really weird series of plays. I didn't fully understand it. I didn't see the fumble in, in, in all the replays there. But that was the true difference of the game. 
you know, of all yeah, of all the games that were played on Saturday, and there are a lot of them, I never got to check in on that Georgia Southern Texas State game. But it sounded like a lot of interesting things happened in that game. And it sounded to me that a lot of it was just a big old mess. If anybody here has seen the game and can explain how Texas State ends up losing it, because I know that chatter on the Twitters was like, I don't understand how we lost this game. We should have, or the Bobcats are like, we should have won the game. We had it won so many times. And yet it's Georgia Southern that comes away with the win. Somebody explain that. Ben Moore, please explain what happened. I had my eye on I was following the score, did not watch it live uh, like you guys. Uh, but but I agree, you know, weird, weird things have seemed to happen and, and befall uh, Sunbelt officials. Um, it is certainly not a job uh, that people are, you know, diving on to uh, to jump in there and become uh, officials at the, you know, FBS level. Um, but, uh, yeah, it did sound like a judgment call. There's a lot of folks, uh, certainly in San Marcos, that weren't very happy with that result uh, at all. Um, and uh, really, it's it's two bad football teams that uh, just looked like defense was uh, at times optional, and then of course the special teams uh, play there. Um, just just kind of a weird weird finish. And um, but uh, Southern is able to escape and get on the uh, on the charter jet back to uh, Statesboro with a victory. If you don't run the ball, you can't win the game, and and we saw that again with Louisiana Lafayette beating Troy. Gunnar Watson, 350 yards passing. The aerial attack there for the Trojans was on fire. 41 yards rushing. You're, you're, you're not going to win. Yeah, you know what? As a, as a uh, citizen of the Red Wolves nation, <clears throat> I've seen that failure again and again where you, you have to be well-balanced on both sides of the offense to make an offense work. Uh, Watson did. He looked pretty good. He was making some plays. But in, in true Cajuns fashion, now the Cajuns end up winning by a couple touchdowns, I believe, at the end there. But in true Cajuns fashion, it, it always feels like they're just conserving energy. They're like the, the G- Jim Brown of the Sun Belt, where they slowly get up and, 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 don't, and kind of take their time to the huddle, and then they come out with a touchdown, you know, with a burst of speed. So th- there, there's something just completely unfancy about Louisiana, and you, you, you kind of think, once again, I noticed that the uh, playoff selection committee has completely ignored the Sun Belt, have completely ignored one loss, Louisiana, even though they, they remember them last season. Uh, and I think part of it is simply because the Cajuns cannot win in spectacular fashion. Uh, instead of po- posting a 50-0 to zero score on some of these chumps, you know, they're willing to let guys in. Heck, they let the Red Wolves play them tight. They let uh, uh, a couple of other teams play them tight. So, excuse me? Nickel State. Oh, yeah. Nickel State, for instance, they played them tight. So, I mean, there's something about this Cajuns team that that seems to dominate, but also seems to do it in a fashion that's just unconvincing. And even the only big win they had, a big blowout win, was against Appalachian State. And you know they're looking for some payback. Yeah, there's there's no question. We we've talked about it really since August that uh, Troy has uh, kind of continuously been offensively challenged, and, and the running game and offensive line just has not been able to generate anything. And pretty you know pretty disappointing, quite candidly, with uh, you know seeing Vidal. I mean, he he was one of the the star freshmen in the league in 2020, kind of the breakout guy, and he just has not been able to get going. Um, if you make just about any team one dimensional. 
um, in, in college football, especially today, you're, you're in deep trouble. And uh, the Cajuns were able to do that. Uh, you know, we're able to uh, to pick off a, uh, you know, Gunnar Watson pass there. And uh, and as you mentioned, just just kind of be on cruise control. It, it's it, it's been uh, you know, it's almost like they're just kind of going through the motions here the, the last few weeks of the season, setting that up uh, now that it's official that they will be hosting the uh, Sunbelt title game. The finale. Jeremy's already smiling and gloating. Huh? What? I kind of forgot about this game. What? Who is it? Is it Arkansas State, State kicked already? a late field goal for the 27-24 victory over ULM. 12th straight oh. win for the Red Wolves wow. in the series. 12th straight? Wow. That's a lot. Quarterback Rhett Rodriguez made his return for the Warhawks. Surprise! 160 yards and one touchdown, but wasn't really effective, I guess is the best way to say it. The running game was there with Malik Jackson, a converted receiver to running back, knowing that the running back uh, position has been kind of thin for the Warhawks. 176 yards, two TDs on his debut as a running back. Lane Hatcher, 444 yards. And again, Corey Rutger goes for over 100 yards against the Warhawks. I think last year, what was the final tally, like 600, 700 yards? He had 300 yards last year and four touchdowns. So this was like a bad game for him against the Warhawks. So, yeah, you know, what was what was fun about that game, at least for the Red Wolves, was that the defense looked pretty competent. And there's nothing more, uh, I don't know, heartbreaking or 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 spiritually demeaning than seeing your your team just get pushed around on the defensive side of the ball again and again and again. But ever since putting having 50 put up by them on Coastal Carolina, that defense really has found ways to, to sort of make the game manageable. And it came down to a head against the Warhawks, who surprisingly did have Rodriguez behind center for, for most of the time. I, 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 you know, I don't mean to question uh, – any of the coaching staff or their decisions. I thought that was a mistake. I mean, you had a guy who was pretty hot. Uh, maybe you should have stuck with him. He, se- he seems like a more of a dual threat. Rodriguez at times made some good passes, but uh, it, again, it wasn't, it wasn't quite enough. Now I did enjoy that converted running back. Malik is it Malik Jackson. Was that Malik. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he rattled off a 75 yard one play one, uh, touchdown uh, 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 touchdown against Arkansas State, which was very dispiriting to open the uh, the second half. Uh, but for the Arkansas State Red Wolves, uh, uh, it was a good good game. It was good to get off that schneid. Nobody is using this season as or using victories as a measuring stick anymore uh, for the Red Wolves when it comes to this season. But it was good to have that win. And uh, I have to admit, uh, Ben Moore, there's some moxie coming into Atlanta when Arkansas State faces the Panthers uh, later this week. There's a little bit of moxie. You might want to look out because we got moxie. You got something. Uh, and and, and uh, Very interested to see uh, the, the worst uh, defense and worst rushing defense live and in person catching uh, the Panther Express right in the face uh, for four straight quarters. Uh, I, I think the Panthers could run the ball 60 times and uh, on, on Saturday. Jeremy, uh, get, get ready for uh, old man football. Uh, but, yeah, just to close the book on, you know, Arkansas State and, and ULM, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, this is this is really the times where the coaches want to see who's still in it, right? They want to see who's playing, uh, who's not just checked out waiting for next year. 
Uh, I know Arkansas State, even after, uh, I think I've seen it today, a few few guys have already jumped in the transfer portal um, looking to move on. So you're seeing some attrition happen, whether it's forced or not. And I know that's kind of the dirty word around college football. Uh, most coaches are being pretty realistic about some guys that uh, won't be back. So uh, it was good to, to, to see. And, and, and I know uh, Jeremy certainly enjoying the win. Uh, as you mentioned, death, taxes, and Arkansas State beating the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. You know, I was just happy to have that opportunity to give 110%. So, uh, you know, good for Thibodeau and his his little team. They played the best that they could under pressing circumstances. I have hats off to them for keeping the score close. I'm so proud of you for getting a D1 win this season. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> I, 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 if, if you were here with me, I would give you a hug, Jeremy. Because oh, you I deserve that it. Hug. <laughs> Gladly accepted. <laughs> This week, man, the season's winding down. We only got two weeks left. The the game that I'm most excited about this upcoming weekend, App State traveling to Troy for a 2.30 kickoff. Troy wins. They get bowl eligible. App State has got to win if they want to still hold on to the East, knowing that Georgia State has somewhat of a gimme game against the Red Wolves this upcoming Saturday. And so I like the Trojans in this one. You know what? I don't like the Trojans simply because they can't score. But, you know, I think uh, Appalachian State closes with Georgia Southern. So I don't know. I I don't feel like they're looking ahead to that game, being what Georgia Southern is. I really think they will be focusing on Troy. Troy will be a good defense to play against. Troy will kind of on par with, to me, with South Alabama will be another one of those games where uh, Appalachian State's going to have to figure out that Rubik's Cube. I think maybe it was good for them to play South Alabama before playing Troy because they get kind of get that knock in the nose out of the way. So I, I, I don't have the same enthusiasm for this game as you do, Nibs. I understand why you do, but I really think Appalachian State's in business mode right now. I think they just walk into the, into the through these next two games without much trouble. Yeah, they don't turn the ball over. That's the biggest thing, and you know, and it's been uh, certainly the apps on App State like there. There has been some some discipline. There has been some um, you know penalties. There has been some turnovers. But um, you know, I just think it comes down to you know App State having enough uh, firepower to to move by them. But I I kind of lean Dusty's way. It could be close. Uh, Troy is very opportunistic and. Um, but just again, you can't you can't be one dimensional against App, man. You got to be you got to have some balance, and um, I, I think I could see uh, you know App State covering that ten point uh, spread that I see on my screen right now. The game that I'm most intrigued about: Louisiana Lafayette goes to Liberty. Yeah, and Liberty's favored by four and a half. I don't know what Liberty's status is. And is this the liberty of early in the year or what's been on the field these past few weeks? Ever since Liberty lost to ULM, great game, by the way. Hey, good oh, game, Dusty. Good game. That, that was a D1 win. Huh? <laughs> yes, it was. But ever since that game, Liberty's just been like put into some kind of uh, phantom zone. Nobody talks about Liberty. No one gives a crap about Hugh Freeze. The quarterback, I always forget his name. Malik uh, Willis. Malik yeah, Willis. Nick, yep. he was a hot commodity for about the first four games of the season. 
I haven't heard much from him since that time. He's all but invisible. And yet I feel like this could be the game for the Cajuns if they want to crack that top 25 that is for just for chits and giggles for pride would be good for the Sun Belt. They need to beat this Liberty team. And I can kind of see Cajuns sort of looking past it, uh, saying, oh, looking past to ULM because they want to beat ULM. I think they want to be perfect in conference. I think they want to go ahead and, and walk into that championship game, uh, leaving no doubt. I could see them overlooking Liberty. That being said, I personally put a little bit of money on Cajuns to win because I feel like that four points is, is an awfully uh, 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 strange spread. Yeah, I, I think it's almost a sucker sucker bet, and I could absolutely see it dropping it a, a touch, um, you know, closer closer to kickoff uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, I think you know, we've been talking about the last few weeks, Louisiana just kind of been sleepwalking through there. That they're going to have a legitimate test and a legitimate quarterback that they're going to face um, that can do a lot of things both with his arm and his leg. So um, I, I'm I think it's a fascinating fascinating game and, and a true you know again uh, another resume uh, you know opponent basically there for the Sun Belts. We've talked about uh, there's a lot of been there has been non-conference opportunities this season that have come up a little bit short for the league. Um, this would be a, certainly a good uh, good punch uh, to, to Liberty and and from one some of the bowl projections we may see Liberty again against uh, one of the bowl opponents uh, here in December as well. So uh, very interested to see how that that result plays out. Good transition there Ben. Uh, the latest projections have Coastal Carolina going down to see our friend Doug Mosley at the Boca Raton Bowl against UAB. I like that matchup. Uh-huh. The Cure Bowl in Orlando has App State and Liberty. The Lending Tree Bowl, Central Michigan and Troy. The NOLA Bowl, which is my favorite matchup right there, of Marshall and Louisiana Lafayette. And then the Camellia Bowl of Georgia State and Eastern Michigan. As we peek ahead to 2022, some interesting games are, are on the schedule. Obviously, the Appalachian State returns to Marshall. Coastal Carolina will go to Virginia. Georgia State, they have a trip to South Carolina, host North Carolina and Charlotte. That's some good games there. ULM will go to Texas and Alabama. Arkansas State goes to Memphis. Louisiana Lafayette has Rice, which is big knowing that that's going to be an AAC team, as well as Florida State. South Alabama, though, they host your Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. The one that I thought was most interesting is just also kind of peeking at the four schools coming in. Marshall goes to Notre Dame, which is like a place to me I've always wanted to see a game at. And then especially if I was covering the game and could be on the field for all that would be absolutely phenomenal. Old Dominion goes to Eastern Carolina. They have Liberty and Virginia Tech coming to town. Virginia Tech recently fired their coach. One of the leading candidates could be Billy Napier from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Yeah, and could Jamie Chatwell be a guy too? I mean, East Coast guy? Yeah. yeah, there's going to be a lot. He grew up in, in, yeah, he grew up in the mountains in Tennessee. So he's, about, I think, about 260 miles. I, I think I mapped it today uh, where Chadwell's from. So knows that area well. Uh, very interested to see what Virginia Tech does there. But you're, you're right. Napier is a guy that uh, that could be attractive. And, and with Clemson kind of taking a step back 
uh, and Florida State and Miami, not exactly, uh, you know, Florida State and Miami of old. Uh, could that be an opportunity to, for, uh, for Napier to step in there? The school I wasn't real impressed with their future schedule was James Madison. The most exciting game they had uh, next year is going to be a trip to Louisville, a game that I, th- I think they would legitimately have a decent shot of, of competing in. But really, if you look at their future schedules, just a lot of FCS schools. So it makes you think, what's the buyout of that? Or how are they going to get out of those contracts, knowing that they're about to have to redo all those schedules to accommodate the Sun Belt? Yeah, that's a good question. How do you get that in there? Do you just make deals with the independents out there and hope that that somebody has an opening? Or or do you, you sacrifice yourself on the altar of some P5 people who are trying to look for a body bag game? I don't know. That's 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 a fun point. We should get somebody from JMU's office to tell us of that. I know in the contract it specifically went when uh, when Georgia State moved to the Sun Belt from FCS uh, from the Colonial. Uh, there are writers in the contract that basically say if either they uh, either school moves because we because Georgia State was scheduled to play Savannah State for example. So Savannah State dropped from FCS to Division Two, which wouldn't have counted. So that basically was a shake hand agreement. You move forward. Now, there may be some financial involved, just depending on how it's written, or it may be dropped completely. But, but you're right. I mean, JMU is going to have to scramble for some, for some games here. Uh, they, they may have to load up on some uh, FCS uh, as they make the transition. All the talk of football, but there's stuff going on in the hardwood. And as we speak, guys, South Alabama is beating number 14 Alabama by five points. <laughs> South Alabama has a good squad. USA. Mm-hmm. Last, yeah, I, last week were some other good games. Louisiana Lafayette beat Southern Miss, just big over the kind of mm-hmm. short-term uh, Sunbelt versus Conference USA, but then also kind of giving you a glimpse of what Southern Miss brings to the table for basketball. Conference players win. and double-digit scoring. The big win last week, though, for the men was Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern beating South Florida 53-41. to 41. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that score and was a little bit puzzled. Is Ben, is Georgia Southern going to have a good basketball team this year? Uh, well, they played the worst team in the AAC, and uh, former Georgia Tech uh, head coach Brian Gregory, who uh, that, that result uh, certainly won't help his job security there in Tampa. <laughs> Um, you know, Georgia Southern was, was 500 last year in, in the COVID shortened year, 13 and 13. Uh, they are in, have a second year head coach who was assistant coach at Texas Tech. Um, I, I am still very interested to see what they look like uh, in, in come December and even January. Uh, but they have an aggressive, aggressive non-conference schedule. Um, yeah, that was certainly a good win for the league. Uh, not sure how they're going to fare, uh, but I, I think they're going to be on the, uh, the lower tier of the league. I just don't know how talented they are from top to bottom. Arkansas State, big win against Central Baptist College last night. I don't know if you guys checked in on that. They are currently on the bayou right now, losing 22 to 13. What, Central Baptist College? Yes. Oh, <laughs> of course, oh, sorry. That, that we're, uh, ULM is playing Champion Christian College. Yeah. My apologies there. Not the same school, Dusty. No, yeah, I, think they, to... I think they Dang. just played a Sunbelt school, though, too, like a couple nights ago. So they're making the Sunbelt rounds. Championship Christian 
whoever they are. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. On the women's side, Georgia Southern is the hot team right now. Having beaten Auburn, they picked up another non-conference win as well that I, of course, didn't make a note of. But Little Rock went to Nashville and beat Vanderbilt by 16 (laughs) points. The Trojans never trailed. Foley knows what he's doing. He's a he's a good coach of, of uh, basketball, and uh, I don't. I, you know what? I remember I I got onto a a, a show like that discussed Sunbelt here in Little Rock, and I was sort of ambushed by the host who said, uh, "Let's talk Sunbelt women's basketball." <laughs> and quite frankly, I I, I did, wasn't really following. So I didn't have anything to say about Sunbelt basketball. I really feel like I should do a better job at following women's uh, basketball in the Sunbelt because it can be very entertaining. You know, I catch a few uh, women's Red Wolves games and they're always just, just good basketball to watch. Uh, I don't even know who's projected this season to be really good in women's basketball this year. Can you guys help me out with that? T-Roy. Yeah. Troy? Troy's going to be strong. Yeah. All right. But yeah, we're uh, just rocking and rolling along with the season, man. I'm excited that basketball is coming up. I'll be attending some Sunbelt Conference basketball games. Texas State will come to Rice here in a couple of weeks. So get to see our former show guest there of Terrence Johnson live and in person with last season Sunbelt Conference champion Bobcats. Not Boobcats, Jeremy. Bobcats. No, in basketball, they, they've, earned, they've earned their single O. Yeah. Uh, hey, I do have a little bit of women's basketball uh, information to pass along in regards to Arkansas State. On Friday, for the first time since uh, sometime in the 90s, when the two programs were matched up in a postseason NIT tournament, the University of Arkansas and the Red Wolves will be playing basketball on the same court together on Friday in Jonesboro at the Effenbank Stadium, which is a really big deal if you live in Arkansas because that wasn't ever supposed to happen. But it is happening. Arkansas is slowly playing in-state teams. Uh, They haven't played A-state basketball, or they are scheduled to play Arkansas State football in the year 2025. So this is sort of a big deal amongst in a historical context. Arkansas State women are actually playing really well. They, they kind of dipped into the transfer portal, picked up some size and shooting that they needed, have had a pretty good start, uh, have a one loss to Oklahoma, but then uh, they beat McNeese State, I think, yesterday. So th- this should be a fun game between A-State and Arkansas. And I, I'm tempted to jump into the Jeremy Mobile and drive and see that. Is that like the Peter Copter of Family Guy? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's more like kit from knight rider it, it it talks it it does little boost jumps it's really cool bad visions this week also we get to lift some hardware guys it's volleyball championship week which starts on a thursday and runs through the weekend winner of the tournament gets a ncaa bid into the regionals with south alabama and Texas State being the favorites right there on the East and the West. Jeremy, you look lost like you've never seen volleyball. <laughs> there was a time when Arkansas State uh, was a, a very solid volleyball program. Then the coach left for Houston. 
And ever since then, the program's really suffered. So I don't expect A-State to do very well. I, 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 I hope so, because I do like a strong volleyball team. But uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for, for Arkansas State. And the two programs that you mentioned are very strong. I know Texas State is a, a very strong volleyball program. I love to see them actually compete well in the NCAA. Texas State looking for yep. their fourth straight yep. championship. You know what we haven't discussed, Thibodeau? I feel like you're dancing around it. I like dancing. Yeah, I, yeah but this seems like a nervous dance. Like, like you don't want to quite dig into this. But ULM is playing LSU this weekend. Am I correct? That is correct. Well, and they will be playing in the magical white helmets, purple uh-huh. tops, and white pants. Oh, okay. Which is the same... Out uh, the, the same attire that they wore, I think it was in 2013, 2014, somewhere in there, where it was a 10 nothing game at the half, and I think ULM lost 31 nothing overall in the game, I think was the final. Well, are we going to see a similar performance, or will we see the sort of Mr. Hyde version of ULM that just comes out and scares the crap out of somebody. I, I think, and everyone's going to laugh. Okay. Hardy har har, and I'm not going to laugh at you, Tim. I will not laugh. I you think the Warhawks have to say. I think the Warhawks split these final two games, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you which game they actually win. Well, you got ULM, and then you've got Louisiana, so you've got two huge. In-state contests between some pretty tough competition. But if I had to choose between the one that you're going to win, I would say that you have a better chance beating LSU because LSU seems like a team in disarray. LSU seems like a team that can be beat. LSU feels like an upset in the making. Tell me if I'm wrong. Ben, Ben Moore, back me up on this. Yeah, I, I think LSU wins by three touchdowns. <laughs> Which is good because it's a 29-point spread. So, uh, I, I don't know. You know what? I tell you what, if you, do, if you start the correct quarterback, I think you have a good chance. I really do. That was definitely the hot topic on the message boards this week is <laughs> why was Rhett Rod in there over Chandler Rogers and everything else? And it, 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 it got kind of ugly. Yeah, I don't go to message boards for cheery repartee. That's for sure. You're, <laughs> you're not going to find any positive messages on the uh, message board. That's for sure. But there's also another game you kind of kind of glossed over, Dusty. A game that maybe has significant impact on the Sun Belt itself. One that will shock the world in the way it's played, in, in, in its sort of excellent football that's going to be out on full display on ESPN3. And I'm talking about the Red Wolves versus uh, Georgia State. No, Panthers roll. <laughs> no! Roll, baby, roll. The, 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 the line is, is ever-increasing. I think it's uh, last check it was 16-and-a-half uh, favoring the home mm-hmm. Panthers. Yes, I give you that the Panthers do have a good rushing attack. And I will give you that – your quarterback, Darren Granger, oh, the power Granger. Ranger. Granger is not without without his talent. 
He's he's very good. But I will say this: the defense is still a little bit leaking oil. That you that there is a lot of opportunity to score against the Panthers. The Panthers gave up something like 200 yards of offense on the ground against Carolina, gave up a similar amount in the air, so it was like an equal amount. If you can find a well-balanced attack against the Panthers and find some way to bottle up Granger, you may have an opportunity to beat a hungover Georgia State. Yeah, I, I don't think so, my friend. I think <laughs> Uh, the Panthers smell smell the bowl game. It's right there in front of them to grab. It'll be a home game, and it's a veteran appreciation weekend. So they're, uh, they're all folks in uniform will get in, uh, and uh, should be a should be a good crowd there at Center Park Stadium. But uh, yeah, should should be good. Um, and the, the uh, venerable bend but don't break defense that we keep hearing about, uh, huh? where defensive backs will give you seven, eight, nine yards, but just not let you score. But the Panthers have given up 18 touchdowns in the air. I predict that they add six more on Saturday. You're crazy. <laughs> I am drunk with power. And, and, and for everyone me. listening at home, so when we're doing the recording, we have cameras just so that we can play off each other and cue off one another. Ben has turned off his camera, I think, because he is crying <laughs> from laughing so hard at these bold, brash, Crazy delusional red wolf predictions that Jeremy I predict 250 yards on the ground for the red wolves. It's going to be a breakout ground really? game. Have that on the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that happening, Jeremy. Right, Sorry, that might, uh, coastal that or not happen. That might not happen. But Ben, I don't. I don't think Auburn ran for 150 yards against them. Oh well, you comparing the red wolves to Auburn? Auburn? I've never even heard of those guys. Red Wolves, that's where it's at. So if I were you, I wouldn't be preparing for Auburn, Ben Moore. I'd be preparing for the Red Wolves. In fact, I actually, I wouldn't even bother preparing for the Red Wolves. Chalk that up as a loss for you guys. Try to get that sixth win against who do you got next week? Troy. Troy. If I were you, I'd be preparing for Troy because that's going to be your make or break game. There's confidence and then there's Jeremy. Yes, that, that is that is where I was headed and Dusty. I appreciate you grabbing that from me. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Uh, all seriousness, that rushing attack is very good for Georgia Panthers. I think you said they were 14th. I, I saw somewhere where the 18th, the split is different. Say it's the 16th best run, rushing uh, offense. We do talk about Appalachian State's combo of Noel and uh, and peoples a lot. We don't give enough credit to Greg and, and, and Jam, as you like to call him. Jam and, uh, and Greg are just two scary running backs that you're right. If you guys ran it for 60 times uh, on Saturday, I think you guys have a pretty good day. Parting shots, plugs, and promos. Jeremy, fire away. Uh, look for Hal Razor for a, a, a more sedated preview of Arkansas State versus Georgia State. Our good friend Ben Moore has a quote in there. So you want to see what he has to say about what it would take for the Red Wolves to beat the Panthers on Saturday. Ben? Yeah, panthertop.com. We have the the wicked crossover right now uh, between basketball actually taking place 
Currently, as we record this fair podcast, uh, the men's soccer team is in the NCAA tournament. Uh, repping uh, the MAC conference, still waiting Sunbelt men's soccer to return. And uh, then, uh, of course, Saturday, the big uh, Jeremy uh, versus Ben face to face. They're looking forward to uh, that result and the amount of uh, messages that will be flying uh, there here at two o'clock Eastern time. So we'll, we'll have it shaking and baking and, and covering and uh, looking forward to the Panthers getting bowl eligible. There's going to be bare chested fist ball tweeting going on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the Warhawks <laughs> and LSU starting at eight o'clock Saturday night. I, I definitely got to have a nap before that game to make sure that I make it to the game. Crime time. Other than that, guys, Warhawk Report, getting ready for the December signing day. Other than that, guys, we have two shows next week. What? We will be talking on Monday with Rachel Quigley of the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Oh, Quigley. Quigley And then on Tuesday, normal show. Another programming note, guys, once football season is over, basically at the beginning of December, We'll be shifting to a Sunday night recording available that Sunday night or Monday. But that way we kind of have that good clean break that there just really isn't in uh, college basketball since they seem to play every night, it seems like. So that'll give us a chance to kind of have a stopping point to refer back to and look ahead to. So again, starting in December, we'll move to a Sunday night recording. So for Dusty Thibodeau, Walk Report, Ben Moore, Panther Talk, and Jeremy Harper with Hal Razor. We thank you much, and we will talk to you twice next week.